0: taking up a variety of topics as diverse as working from home to sporting events, to the role of the board of directors, to crisis management, to the role of supply chains. We will look at all of these in this podcast. If you have a topic you'd like covered on compliance and coronavirus, please let me know. I'd be happy to do a podcast on it. We will post on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time for the foreseeable future as we navigate our way through this incredible crisis. First, a word about our sponsor, SAI Global. With the coronavirus and COVID 19 pandemic continuing to change rapidly, trust and integrity are paramount to business continuity preparedness. SAI Global is here to help compliance and risk professionals facing these challenges, including unprecedented business impacts from employee well being to disrupted supply chains. SAI 360 is a cloud first software and modern ethics and compliance learning platform designed to help you navigate risk. From every perspective. To learn more about how you can protect your business operations and workforce during these uncertain times, visit SAIGlobal.com/backslash risk for free resources, expert guidance, and industry-leading technology. Thanks again to SAI Global for sponsoring this most important podcast. In this episode, I have Ryan Wilkins from the Straddling Law Firm. Ryan is a partner and practices in corporate governance, and we take a look at some of the issues that have come up for corporate governance around the coronavirus crisis and the filings public companies need to do with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox, back for another episode, and today I have with me Ryan Wilkins. And Ryan is with the uh, straddling Law Firm in California, We're going to take a look at Ryan's specific area, or at least one of his areas of practice, uh, leading the firm's corporate and securities law practice and public company practice group. So, uh, Ryan, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome, and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today.
1: Thank you, John. Appreciate you having me.
0: So, uh, Ryan, I would just like to to jump right into how has the coronavirus health crisis um, impacted corporate governance, uh, and what sort of advice are you initially giving your clients at this point?
1: So the uh, coronavirus pandemic has obviously impacted businesses you know, across geographies and across industries. I mean, literally every business in the United States is focused on this issue at this time. And so I, I think that the number one thing is making sure that management teams are actively discussing these issues, being as transparent uh, with one another as possible and and bringing the board of directors um, into the conversations kind of at every level. Um, What we're seeing is there are impacts across the business, whether from uh, supply chain impact, uh, impact on demand, um, changes to the way that employees are having to work, um, and and, and a number of other issues. And, And so these are are issues that really uh, are impacting businesses across the spectrum, and it's critically important that uh, the board of directors and the management team be, be focused on these issues at this time.
0: Ryan, one thing that's always uh, either intrigued me or interested me or concerned me, uh, depending on the situation, is about succession planning. And what do you do when you have a senior manager, a CEO, or someone else uh, at a high level of an organization, who becomes incapac- incapacitated uh, due to illness, and then you have to temper that with, of course, privacy rights, uh, healthcare privacy rights, HIPAA, and all of uh, a plethora of other uh, rules and regulations. But I wanted to ask, what uh, advice, or perhaps better, what are you seeing around succession plans and succession planning being reviewed, updated? Or is that a risk factor that companies are actually talking about in filings now? Yeah,
1: I think there's a couple of different layers to that question. Um,
0: thinking mostly
1: about you know, public companies for a moment, there, there's an interesting question that arises around at what point would a company have an obligation to say something uh, to the investment community in the event that a key manager uh, was to uh, become sick, uh, whether from coronavirus or, or, or something else? And there's sort of different schools of thought around that, Uh, you know, on the one hand, um, there's nothing uh, in the SEC rules or the stock exchange rules that would require an immediate disclosure around somebody becoming ill. Um, However, I think, you know, companies have to always be thinking about uh, whether, you know, what they know about their own workforce and their own management team is, you know, material uh, and needs to be uh, disclosed to, uh, to investors generally. Um, there are, um, for example, some NYSE rules, uh, that require disclosure of material developments without really defining what that means. And so a company that's traded on the NYSE would have to think about whether to make active disclosure around, uh, somebody becoming ill. Um, separate from that, uh, if an, a company is considering, um, engaging in securities transactions, accessing the market, either by issuing securities, Uh, in a public offering, uh, or repurchasing securities because the company believes that they are, uh, the the securities are, are undervalued at the moment and they want to deploy cash to, to repurchase those securities. Uh, companies have a heightened duty of disclosure in those contexts and would really have to think about whether to make a disclosure, um, with respect to a manager that has become ill, especially if it's, you know, the CEO, CFO, or another key manager. So I think part of the, um, the issue is, is whether and when to make disclosure, and those are facts and circumstances determinations that have to be uh, thought through very carefully with counsel. Um, I think another aspect of, of the, the question is with regard to changes to uh, governance policies uh, and succession planning. Um, I, I think that there's been a push in, in recent years for you know, more focus around succession planning, and so hopefully. Uh, Many of the larger public companies have have given some thought to this and and have plans in place. Uh, But certainly, uh, to the extent that um, companies have the bandwidth at the moment to be focused on succession planning and and, and making sure that they do have a plan in place uh, in the event one of the senior executives was to become ill, uh, that that should absolutely be a focus and and part of the overall enterprise risk management uh, focus that the board and the management team should have right now.
0: Brian, are there any new or additional reporting obligations uh, other than those that we've talked about due to risk, material risk from coronavirus or perhaps the uh, attendant economic fallout?
1: There aren't really any new uh, legal reporting requirements. Um, The SEC has issued some guidance uh, here very recently. I believe it was just a couple days ago. They came out with some new uh, guidance around uh, disclosures in management discussion and analysis uh, or mdna uh sections of a 10k and a 10q and effectively they are asking issuers to very carefully consider the overall impacts of the coronavirus epidemic on the businesses um not just thinking about it in terms of you know whether a risk factor has to be added or not but thinking about it in terms of uh, you know risk factor disclosure updates to the business section, and and perhaps most importantly, updates to the MD&A section. And in that guidance, the SEC uh, poses a couple dozen questions uh, to help elicit responses from issuers. And I think it's clear from looking at that guidance, you're not expected to actually answer all of those questions. Uh, But um, I think it's a good framework for thinking about um, how you might provide new um, responsive information in light of how the epidemic is impacting the company. So to the extent that issuers are in the process of uh, preparing what's probably a a 10Q filing for the first quarter for those companies that are 1231 fiscal year end, um, I certainly would encourage them to go and look at the SEC guidance and uh, really sit down and look at those questions and think about where the company may be able to provide uh, information in response to those sorts of questions. So again, there isn't really... New guidance in terms of, of new legal requirements. They haven't actually modified, you know, what the requirements for MDNA are, uh, but there is some new guidance which is helpful for thinking about how to prepare MDNA uh, in this context.
0: So regarding the economic uh, situation we find ourselves in now, uh, even with without uh, the health crisis. Uh, How would you think the SEC is going to view companies' uh, financial reporting obligations, their uh, reporting obligations, looking at risk factors in the future, um, or is it just really uh, business as usual in terms of uh, the standards the SEC will hold companies to on financial reporting obligations?
1: It's a good question, and I think the answer is a bit of a mixed bag. On the one hand, the SEC has come out now with a couple different releases and and a couple different orders uh, indicating that it understands it's going to be more difficult to comply uh, with SEC reporting obligations during this time. Uh, They initially issued an order, I believe it was on March 4th, that allowed companies that had filings um, that were due, um, I believe it was from... um, March 1st uh, through April 30th uh, to be able to delay those filings for up to 45 days. Uh, They have since come out with updated guidance on March 25th um, indicating that they will now allow companies that have filings due um, on or by July 1st to take advantage of this guidance. And effectively what the guidance does is it says that you can take advantage of a 45-day extension to make filings, whether it's a 10K, a 10Q, a proxy statement, or, or certain other SEC filings, um, so long as you uh, inform the market that you intend to do so by filing an AK, that AK has to be filed no later than the filing uh, due date, uh, the original filing due date for whatever SEC filing is, is at issue. And you have to uh, make a basic statement about the reason that you are delaying the filing, and uh, if appropriate, uh, provide risk factor disclosure around the impacts of coronavirus on your business. But but it's a fairly simple filing to make if in fact you want to take advantage of it. And so on the one hand, the SEC is acknowledging the difficulty of making the timely filings, the difficulty of interacting with auditors or working with remote, um, you know, work staff. Um, and so it's making this filing accommodation available, which I think is helpful to certain issuers. On the other hand, we're not really seeing any changes in the standards that are going to apply to SEC filing. If there's nothing in the new rules or the guidance that would suggest that there's a lesser standard or a lesser bar that has to be met. And so I think the SEC's perspective on this is they're willing to give more time where it's necessary uh, for a particular issues, but they are not necessarily. Uh, Going to be changing the way they look at the filings. Uh, And in fact, in these various orders that the SEC has issued, they have admonished companies to make sure that they're still making uh, transparent disclosure to investors. Uh, They're telling issuers to be careful uh, before they go and access the capital markets by issuing securities or by repurchasing shares or allowing officers and directors to trade. Uh, they're sort of reminding folks that it's important that companies disclose all material non-public information to the market in its filings before it undertakes transactions and the securities. And so I, I think the bar is still very much the same just with um, some of the filing deadlines being moved.
0: Ryan, are you um, – I guess uh, how are you counseling clients – in terms of meeting the current deadlines or pre-existing deadlines or meeting the uh, amended deadlines is it really accompanied by company analysis or are you counseling one way or the other
1: it's really a company by company analysis i I think that whether a company is going to need to take advantage of these um potentially uh, extended deadlines um, is a function of you know their own work staff and how well they're working remotely In some cases, you know, how sophisticated the client is, how long it's been a public reporting company, a company that's a recent IPO issuer may have a harder time complying than than one that's an established, you know, long-time SEC reporting company, for example. Another factor that would weigh in on it is the um, extent to which the company's business has been impacted. Uh, Many companies are not necessarily struggling to make filings because of uh, staffing issues or or things of that nature, that they're struggling to make filings because they're not really sure what to say. They're still trying to figure out what the supply chain impacts are. They're they're trying to figure out how productive their workforce is going to be. Uh they're trying to figure out how much demand is really being impacted in, in various geographic regions and obviously crafting their disclosures accordingly. So I think it's it's more about getting to a point where the, the company feels comfortable with making good disclosures uh, rather than taking advantage of the extended deadline because of, of staffing needs. Uh, but I, I think that those considerations are going to have to be undertaken on a case-by-case basis.
0: Right, uh pivoting a little bit, uh, I was wondering, are you hearing a consistent uh, type of question from uh, your clients, or is everyone um really in a kind of a wait-and-see mode on uh, how things around corporate governance might shake out? Or are you you suggesting people be more more proactive during this uh, time of coronavirus coronavirus crisis?
1: The uh, questions that we're receiving most frequently now are uh, what I would characterize as disclosure questions. Um, Certainly, there's some overlap with disclosure and, and corporate governance, but uh, far and away, uh, the the questions that I'm getting most regularly now uh, from you know my my GCs and from my CFOs uh, is you know what sort of additional disclosures should we be making? How far should we be taking the disclosures? Um, should we be making interim disclosures? Uh, you know, generally speaking, uh, companies that aren't involved in securities transactions, such as issuing securities in a capital markets transaction or repurchasing shares don't have an active and ongoing disclosure obligation, or at least that's the traditional view. Um, You really only have to make uh, filings um, that are required under the securities laws, such as the 10K, the 10Q, and the 8K filings. And so um, that's sort of the starting point is is you don't need to go to the market and make disclosure unless you're required to by a particular reporting obligation. But nonetheless, there are numerous considerations involved with perhaps making interim disclosures, uh, coming to the market Uh, Sooner and and talking about the impact of of, uh, the COVID epidemic on the business. Um, One reason to do that is to just provide good disclosure to the market and uh, reputational reasons, uh, you know, with investors and with market participants, Um, uh, just to to let folks know that you're paying attention and that, that you're going to be actively providing disclosure. Another reason to provide that interim disclosure might be to cleanse the company of material non-public information, get the information into the market and allow the company to actively access the market uh, or allow officers and directors to trade in securities. And so really thinking through these these disclosure issues is, is pretty complicated. It's very specific to uh, individual clients and individual industries. And again, whether the company is just kind of on its normal disclosure cadence or whether it's actually intending to be in the market trading in securities right now or, or allowing its officers and directors to be uh, trading. So I, I think that's probably the, the, the number one question that I'm receiving. And then tangential to that would be uh, questions around what to do with changing guidance. Uh, Many companies give uh, some form of guidance, whether it's, you know, on an annual basis or a quarterly basis, you know, whether it's uh, just revenue or or going further down the income statement to things like, you know, EBITDA and EPS. Um, Obviously uh, companies that have given uh, guidance uh, earlier this year, uh, oftentimes, you know, as part of their 10K filing, if they're a 1231 company, uh, they are very much reconsidering that guidance. And so uh, thinking through, uh, whether to change guidance, uh, whether to revoke that guidance completely uh, as compared to modifying the guidance or, or taking a wait-and-see approach are, are things that we're getting questions about very, regularly.
0: Ron, if I, I could turn to the Straddling Law Firm just for a moment. Uh, you guys have put together, a, I think, a fabulous resource entitled the COVID-19 Client Service uh, Resource Center. I was wondering if you could just uh, say a few words about that effort.
1: happy to do so. So um, a couple of weeks ago, as we uh, realized along with many other firms that uh, this uh, epidemic was becoming uh, global and and very significant for our our country and and for our our individual clients, um, we uh, put together a task force uh, here at the firm. Uh, The task force includes um, subject matter experts uh, in areas such as employment law, uh, privacy, um, securities reporting, uh, and other areas. And so uh, with the help of that task force, uh, we had now have a portion of our webpage that has some dedicated resources, uh, not only providing some contact information, but also providing a number of client alerts. I think at this point, we have a half dozen or so client alerts on various topics. And we are in the process of providing additional uh, client alerts on literally a daily basis as things change. And so I it's a pretty good resource. And I would encourage folks to go and check it out.
0: And I'm not only going to encourage them to do so, but I want to actually thank you guys for putting together uh, really one of the top resources. And uh, as you suggest, it is changing, uh, if not on an hourly basis, sometimes daily. And, and you guys are doing a great job in putting out uh, updated guidance. So on behalf of the consuming public, thank you for doing that. Um, Ryan, if we could end by asking if listeners wanted more information on you or the firm, uh, how could they find out?
1: I'd be happy to have folks contact me directly. Um, my uh, direct dial at the law firm, uh, which will forward to my uh, mobile number, is uh, 949-725-4115. And uh, you can also uh, access me by going to our website, which is www.sycr.com. Uh, i be happy to uh, chat with anybody about uh, any questions they may have about uh, any of the topics covered uh, during the podcast or any other uh, related topics.
0: Brian, I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me and uh, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Yep. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. If you have any questions or you have a topic you would like explored on this podcast, please shoot me an email at tfox at Also, as a call to action, I would ask, if you could, to please tell one of your friends about the podcast so we can spread the word out about the newest podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. Also, if you would leave us a rating on iTunes or a review, it would greatly help get this, the word out about this most important podcast over the next several months. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll join me for our next episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. This podcast is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.